Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Let's Wrap. Today starts our four-part series entitled, A Divine Encounter with God. We're talking about the life of Jacob. On the last uh, episode we did, which was our introductory to Divine Encounter with God, we were talking about the life of Jacob and we were talking about divine and what divine means. Divine means coming from God, an encounter, simply meaning face to face. We also found out that encounter means an experience. So many times, as I stated before, we desire, we long for experiences in our life, but many of us do not have the characteristics that we need in order to maintain those relationships successfully. Many of us struggle finding ourselves going through one encounter and another encounter and another encounter. We're gonna find throughout this study that we are not alone. Jacob also found himself dealing with several different encounters throughout his life. In our introductory to a divine encounter with God, we set the scene with Jacob leaving his uncle Laban's house with his wife and his children. The Lord promised Jacob that he would bring him back into his own country, to the land of his kindreds. And because God is not a man that he should lie, this is exactly what he did. As I stated in the introductory, the story of Jacob is one of the most interesting studies in the book of Genesis. It gives us a look into the life and the character of Jacob. As I stated before, it shows us how a divine encounter with God has the ability not only to change one's character, but to change one's life forever. And we're going to see this is exactly what happened to Jacob. Now, Genesis, the 32nd chapter, gives us a brief look at what led up to Jacob's divine face-to-face -face encounter with God. But to truly understand his conversion and his transformation, we have to go back to Genesis, the 25th chapter, to where it all started, the life of Jacob. I am Elder Shanina Walker, and today on Let's Wrap, we're going to be covering part two of our four-part series, A Divine Encounter with God. Part one, social encounter. Let's wrap. Jacob's life takes place in Genesis, the 25th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. And it reads, Isaac's wife could not have children. So Isaac prayed to the Lord for her. And the Lord heard Isaac's prayer. And Rebekah became pregnant. While she was pregnant, the baby struggled inside of her. She asked, why is this happening to me? And then she went to get an answer from the Lord. The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your body. Two groups of people will be taken from you. One group will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came, Rebekah gave birth to twins. The first baby was born red. Since his skin was like a hairy robe, he was named Esau. When the second baby was born, he was holding on to Esau's heel, so that baby was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. So we see here, Jacob has entered on the scene, but not without a struggle. The Bible says that his mother, Rebecca, was barren. So her husband, Isaac, went and prayed to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that the children, the two of them, Esau and Jacob struggled within the womb. They struggled so much that she went to the Lord to inquire what was happening to her. No doubt she was wondering what is going on. Something has to be wrong. 
if this is the Lord, why is this thing happened to me? Anybody ever struggled with a promise? Anybody ever struggled with a situation or a circumstance that you know you heard the Lord on? You know he spoke clearly to you. He told you to start that business. He told you to leave that neighborhood. He told you to move to another state. But now you're struggling with that thing. You're struggling with a situation. You're struggling with a circumstance. And you're wondering and you're going to the Lord asking, Lord, if this is you, why am I struggling so much? But we see that Rebecca went to the Lord and she prayed and the Lord began to explain to her exactly what was going on. He told her there were two manner of people. In other words, two nations were going to be separated from her bowels. Two nations were struggling inside of her womb. Not only that, but the Lord gave her prophetic insight, letting her know that one should be stronger than the other. He let her know that the elder shall serve the younger. This thing was prophetic. It was spoken even before it took place. I'm sure Rebecca had no idea what the Lord was referring to when he began to speak. But sure enough, out came Esau and then Jacob as he grabbed hold to Esau's heel. So we see even in birth, there was a struggle. Jacob, even in the womb, was experiencing his first bout of a social encounter. Now, I talked about last week about a mutual kindness encounter. We can clearly see that this is not what that was. Jacob was struggling with Esau, even from the womb. When he came out, he grabbed a hold of his heel as to say, you're not coming out before me. It was a constant battle going on within the womb and outside of the womb. Now, when we look at what social encounter means, social encounter is what we're all familiar with. We love being a part of social encounter. That only means living and preferring to be in and around community or people rather than being alone, like being in the company of companionship, social interaction, even recreational events or communal events, such as parties or gatherings, even church events are considered as social encounters. As I stated in my opening, many of us, we long for this kind of human interaction. Although just like Jacob, we lack the character and the emotional control in order to experience peace within our everyday social encounters. It seems more and more there's a struggle, not only in the church, but with our own brothers and sisters, just like, like Esau and Jacob, within our own biological families. Many of us are lacking the ability to experience a mutual kindness encounter. But instead, there's a constant struggle going on among our very own flesh and blood. I'm not talking about strangers having problems. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about our own brothers and sisters. I'm talking about mothers against daughters, fathers against sons, brothers against brothers. I'm talking about a constant struggle within the dynamics of our own family. We're going to see how Jacob continued to struggle within his own family. Now, the Bible says that the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter of the field. He was a man of the field. In other words, he was an outdoorsman. He had red hair. They were totally different. They were what I would call paternal twins. They didn't look alike. They were not identical. You have one that was red and hairy. And then there was Jacob. Jacob was a plain man. The Bible says that Jacob was a quiet man. He stayed among the tents. In other words, he stayed around the house. Maybe he was a mama boy, no doubt. He stayed around, learned how to cook. Maybe he was one of those kids that loved just being inside uh, social media, playing on the computer. 
He was a geek, in other words. He was not one that wanted to go outside and climb trees and hunt and be out in the field. But he enjoyed being around uh, Rebekah. Now, the Bible tells us that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. It's right about here that we see that Isaac and Rebekah was adding to the dysfunction of the family by falling into the parental pit fall of favoritism. We see that favoritism here was going on and favoritism can destroy. It is this divided affection that produces an unhealthy atmosphere and competition, mistrust, double dealing, disrespect, and lingering resentment. And this is exactly what began to happen. Is there anybody out there listening to me today to know what I'm talking about? Anybody who grew up in a household where it seems like one of your siblings were favored a little more than the other? Now, no doubt in my mind, these two young boys were grew, grew up fighting for the affection of their parent and resenting each other because one of the parents loved one more than the other. In the Genesis, the 25th chapter, it clearly tells us here that Jacob loved Esau. Why? Because Esau was a hunter. He brought him venison. In other words, he would bring him deer meat, which he would eat, which he loved to eat. But what I couldn't help but notice is that the Bible never told us why Rebecca loved Jacob so much. Could it have been because God shared with her that instead of Esau, the oldest receiving the birthright, it would be Jacob, that the younger, the older would serve the younger instead of vice versa. Now we know according to Jewish tradition, it was always a custom for the oldest child to receive the birthright first. Therefore, the younger would normally serve the older. But we know we serve a God who's omniscient, who knows all things already. He knows what would take place beforehand. So if God said it, that settles it. In other words, no matter what kind of struggle you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life right now, if God said it's going to be over, there's an expiration date on that problem. He doesn't need your help. There's no need to try to fix it up. We can't manipulate it. You can't try to figure it out. We just have to wait patiently for our appointed time. We can't afford to get in a hurry and be like Jacob. Neither can we be like Rebecca. I'm sure, no doubt, Rebecca had already told Jacob, being the loving mother that she was, that when he was a child, God had already shared with her prophetically that one day Esau would serve him. So instead of Jacob waiting on God, what did he do? He decided to make things happen a little quicker. He decided to manipulate and trick Esau into selling him his birthright. Now, the Bible says that one day Jacob was boiling a pot of vegetable soup. And Esau came in from hunting in the field. I could imagine him being out there in the field all day long, being all tired and weary. The Bible says he was weak from hunger. And so Esau said unto Jacob, let me eat some of that red soup because I'm weak and I'm hungry. But what did Jacob say unto Esau? He said, give you some soup. I'll sell you some soup. Esau was being all dramatic. He acting like he was so hungry to the point of death. And Jacob took advantage of the situation. Jacob said, I'm not going to give you anything. I'll sell you the soup, but you have to sell me your birthright. I wonder how many of us today are like Esau have decided to sell your birthright. Yes, you have a birthright. Yes, you've been born again. You've been adopted into the royal priesthood. Now you're a king's kid. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That means you have rights. You have privileges that not everyone can access. When you're a king's kid, you should act like a king's kid. You can't go doing anything and everything you want to and still maintain the status of royalty. So we see that Esau decided to sell his birthright for a pot of soup. 
What are you selling your soul for? A man, a woman, money, power, position, maybe popularity. Jacob knew that according to the custom, the birthright belonged to his brother Esau, the oldest. But there's no doubt in my mind that he also knew what God had told his mother, Rebecca. And guess what? He didn't want to wait. Just like many of us, we don't want to wait on what God has already promised us. We want to get ahead of God and try to make it happen on our own. We begin to manipulate and trick. You got to understand that this was a nature that was already down inside of Jacob. And he knew that this would be the perfect opportunity to pull his tricks over on his brother Esau. He knew that this would be the perfect opportunity to take advantage of the situation. I want you to know today that your enemy knows what belongs to you. He sees your future. He knows, but he can't do anything about it. All he can do is manipulate and take advantage of every situation that you are facing. What he wants to do is wear you down into thinking just like Esau, you are about to die in hopes that you will start selling off everything that God has blessed you with. I want you to know today that you can't afford to sell your birthright. As you continue to read the chapter, we see that not only did Jacob con Esau out of selling his birthright, but with the help of his mother, Rebecca, they also stole his blessing. Genesis, the 27th chapter tells us that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could hardly see, he called his oldest son Esau because he didn't know how much longer he had to live. He wanted him to go out, hunt for venison and bring it to him to eat that he might give the firstborn his blessing. The Bible says that Rebecca heard this. She heard what Isaac had said to Esau, his son. We can clearly see there was dysfunction going on in the dynamics of this family. I couldn't help but wonder as I read the scripture, why the Bible said that Rebecca heard what Isaac said to his son. I wonder why it didn't say their son and their oldest son. Why? Because I believe it is here that the scripture is showing us once again that there's a separation within the social encounter of the relationship between Esau and Jacob, between Isaac and Rebekah. There's a breakdown within the dynamics of this family. There's some dysfunction going on within the dynamics of this family. But not only this family, every family has a little bit of dysfunction going on within it. As I begin to think about what could have been the problem, the real problem between Esau and Jacob, I come to believe that the problem was more with the parents' issue than it was with the children. I always say we have so many jacked up children because we have so many jacked up adults. Nevertheless, we see that there was a situation going on within the family. Rebecca told Jacob to do exactly as she commanded him to do. Her exact words were, obey me, my son, and do what I tell you. And we see here that Rebecca hatched this elaborate plan in order to assure that Jacob might receive the blessing. Even though God had already beforehand prophetically told her that he was going to receive the blessing, she decided that she was going to help God out right about here. So what did she do? We see right about here, she began to tell Jacob exactly what to do. She told him to go get a goat and she said, I'm going to cook it just the way he like it. I know what he like. I know how he like it. I'm going to cook this and I want you to take this to your father. 
Then Jacob went on to give all the reasons why it wouldn't work. He said, I can't do this. My brother is hairy. He's going to know it's not me. I'm a smooth man. Esau is hairy. He said, I'll be discovered. He's going to realize it's not me. And then he's going to curse me because I played a trick on him. But what did Rebecca say? She said, let your curse be upon me. I'll take it. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the rap. So Jacob went and got the goat and he brought it to his mother. She cooked it just the way Isaac liked it. And then she said, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to dress you in Esau clothing. So she told him to go get the goat skin and she took and put the goat skin on his neck and on his hands. And Jacob did everything that his mother commanded him to do. And when Jacob went in and he lied unto his father, saying that he was Esau, he gave his father the food and requested him to bless him as if he was Esau. And to make matters worse, he had the audacity to lie on the Lord. When we look at the 27th chapter of Genesis and the 20th verse, the Bible says that when his father asked him, how did you find the, the venison? How did you find the deer so quickly? How did you kill it and, and was able to cook it so quickly? Jacob said, because the Lord God helped me find it. He lied on God. Yes, Jacob lied on God, and so have many of us. How many times have we went to the leaders of our church and said, God told me to stop ushering. God told me to move to another church. God says it's time for this to end. How many times have we said something that God didn't tell us at all? If ever there was a time that we needed discernment to be as leaders to be able to discern when the truth is coming forth and when it's a lie, we need discernment. We see here in the scripture that the Bible says that Isaac tested him in every way. He knew that the voice sounded like Jacob's, but he went ahead and he told him to come closer to him and he felt him and he smelled him. And when he felt him, he felt the goat hair and the hair on his arms and the hair on his neck. And he thought for sure it was Esau. And then he told him to come a little closer and he smelled him. And when he smelled him, he had on the clothes of Esau. So he just knew for sure that it was Esau and he gave him the blessing. How many times like Jacob, have you stolen a blessing? How many times have you went to your leaders and lied on God and received a blessing from the man, a woman of God, when you had no right to that blessing. And it wasn't even so much that he wasn't going to receive the blessing because God had already prophetically spoken that the older would serve the younger. So he was going to get the blessing. It just was a timing. It was a matter of timing of waiting on the blessing. We can't get ahead of God and try to manipulate a situation or a circumstance. We have to wait on God's timing. The Bible tells us that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. But because Jacob and Rachel refused to wait on God's timing, they added a whole lot of sorrow to their lives. They added a whole lot of sorrow to this family. So no sooner than Isaac got done blessing uh, Jacob, telling him that he would be a great people. And he told him who would serve him, that the nations would bow down to him and his brother would bow down to him. And he would curse those who cursed him. He would bless those who blessed him. No sooner than he got done telling him this and Jacob began to leave the room, in comes Esau. Esau comes in with the food that he had caught and prepared. He was asking for a blessing. He said, is that not a blessing for me, father? Just one blessing. And Isaac said unto him, your brother came in craftily, cunning and treacherously deceived me and has taken away your blessing. And Esau lifted up his voice and cried out. And it was from that day forward that Esau replied, is he not rightfully called Jacob, the surplanter, the replacer, the underminder? 
And the Bible tells us from that day forward that Esau hated Jacob ever the more because of his blessing. Now, I couldn't help but find this extremely interesting that he was okay with his birthright. Remember, the Bible said that Esau despised his birthright and he sold his birthright for a pot of soup. But I see here that he's not willing to depart with the blessing. Ain't that just like us? We want the blessing, but not the blessor. Esau could care less about the order of what was right. He didn't care about the birth order. He didn't care. That's why he was so quick to sell his birthright. He didn't care if, if his brother received the birthright. He didn't want to deal with the regulation. He didn't want to deal with the rules or what came with the birthright or the responsibility. Oh yeah, he was okay with somebody else doing all the work. He was okay with Jacob having to follow all the rules. By you being the oldest, there's certain rules and regulations that you got to follow. We don't have a problem watching our brother, our sister struggle or labor or toil. As long as we can still be recognized for the accolades, as long as we can still receive the blessing. He didn't care about selling his birthright, but let somebody start messing with the blessing. Now, that's a whole nother story. That's going to require somebody to have to die. We see here that he's willing to kill Jacob for his blessing. He's not going to let him just have the blessing. He wanted to kill him. The Bible says that the sibling rivalry got crunk up to a whole nother level. And the crazy thing is, is it didn't have to because God had already promised that he was going to be the one who received the birthright. He was going to be the one who received the blessing. But Rebecca decided to cause Jacob to steal Esau's blessing. And she decided that she would take the consequences and that she did. Because of this thing that she had done, she was forced to send her beloved Jacob away until Esau's anger for him had passed. Jacob had no choice because of his action, but to flee for his life to Haran, to the house of Laban, Rebekah's brother. However, before departing, Jacob received a second blessing. He received the blessing of Abraham upon his life. Isaac spoke to him, telling him he would be fruitful and he would be multiplied by God, that he might be a multitude of people, that he and his seed will receive the blessing of Abraham, that he might inherit the land that God gave to Abraham. So in our closing, we see that Jacob has to flee to Haran to the house of his mother's brother. And we see that the social encounter that Jacob has experienced has been nothing but a struggle. Why was Jacob struggling so much? Because rightfully so, his name was Jacob, surplanter, underminer. He was full of tricks and it was in his nature. God had to take him out of that environment in order to change who he was. If you like Jacob are finding yourself struggling with your social encounter, I want you to know that God has the power to change your life as well. There comes a time where God has to move us from around the people or the crowd that you're around. If you're finding yourself being drawn in to a crowd of manipulators, you're going to be a manipulator. We see that Jacob's mother herself, Rachel, she had issues and she put those issues off on Jacob. I'm telling you, generation curses are real. Spiritual strongholds are real. We see that there was a spirit that followed this family. If you read back in the book of Genesis, we'll see where Abraham tricked the kings and told them that Sarah was his sister. 
And because he told him Sarah was his sister, every time he went into another kingdom, he came out with more stuff than he had when he went in. He himself was a trickster. We're going to see as we continue with this study that trickery ran in Rebecca's family. Even her brother Laban, whom Jacob is about to meet, is a bigger trickster than Jacob. So I want you to come back so we can see what happens next in the life of Jacob. Next week, we're going to cover part two entitled Spiritual Encounter. I do hope you are enjoying this four-part series entitled A Divine Encounter with God. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Yasha Ministry Walker on Facebook. We want to thank each and every one who take the time out of your busy life to listen to this podcast. Those in other countries, those that are in the United States, we do appreciate you and we love you. But always know that God will always love you more. Until the next time, I am Elder Shanina Walker. Have a blessed day.